So I want to talk about praise. I just heard these words. We need to learn how to praise better than what we currently are. Because praise unlocks things. Yeah, we say things like praise and worship, don't we? Do you know really it's all the same thing? But you can take those two things and look at them separately, but then you put them back together again. Because generally, we sort of think praise is the fast stuff and worship is the slow stuff, don't we? We sort of put those things into those categories. And so there's this sort of this high and then there's this, oh, now I'm worshiping and it's nice and quiet and meditative. But really, it's all one thing. So worship can be full on, man, like it's noisy and it's celebration and it's like you're out of your chair and you're going nuts. And praise can be, this is so nice and meditative and quiet. You see, we tend to want to box things to understand things, but it's all one of the same thing. In fact, as the Bible says, worship is the laying down of one's life. So as a person lays their life down, not for anything or anyone, but for him, at the understanding of him, praise becomes a natural expression of knowing love because he is love, isn't he? So if I know love and I'm coming to know love more and more and more, praise becomes a natural overflowing expression of my life. It's not determined by on a Sunday morning because the right music is played. It's determined by him, love. So life becomes an expression. Praise becomes an expression of my life. It's an innate response to a person. And right then I felt we had a moment, but we didn't realize the fulfillment of the moment. In the spirit, I sense God was wanting to lift us all up, but we sat here. I felt some people went and some people just went, mm, you know, it could be a bit uncomfortable. Maybe I don't even know. But in the spirit realm, God wanted to lift that through praise. He wanted the people to step out of your man suit, your humanity, which, you know, binds us, holds us because it's like, what would the person next to me think if I really let go? What would they think of me? Who cares? I don't care. If you look at me, you'll see me last week. I was dancing with them. I don't care what you think in that sense of, he looks like an idiot. Look, he's clapping his hands. He's shouting at her. Why? Because in that moment, I'm so gone and I'm so in him that he's the only one to see. And he is smiling on me as I'm lost in him. And he wants that for all of us. He wants us to step outside of our man suit and into our spirit person that we actually are that's locked in us trying to get out. Have you ever experienced that? It's like who you really are wants to get out of you. But the other side of you is saying, settle down. We're New Zealanders. That's not how we act. Those are for those guys on maybe live in America or those... Aussies, they're a bit more expressionate. Just settle down, keep it all nice and order, and we'll get through it. <laughs> Anyone else? So but God's like saying, we want to take that lid off. I want you to take that lid off, and I want you to praise. Now, here's the thing. There's two positions of praise. One 
is innate. It just comes out. And the other one is where you have to choose to. It's not right, wrong. There's just two positions. But one God would have wants to move us more into the other. You see, he wants a 24-7 spirit in a person, just expression of praise all the time. It doesn't need to be with music. You know, it's just saying, thank you, Father, for today. That's an expression of praise. Thank you for food on the table that I'm about to eat. Thank you that I have a family. Thank you that I have a house. Thank you that I have a car. Thank you that I have the basic commodities that 85% of the world doesn't have. That's praise. Sometimes we even don't even think to do that, do we? Because we take all that for granted. So there's this innate expression of praise that God wants flowing from us. He says, well, someone might say, well, how do you get into that position if I'm not in that position? That is a great question. You then have to choose. You know, it says to put love on, doesn't it? You see, when love is being formed, when it's not yet to a measure where it just comes out, you have to choose. You have to take a step of discipline. That D word. You have to discipline yourself in the moment that the Spirit comes and choose to praise. Not let your feelings dictate what's going to happen in the moment. Because if you live from your feelings, you go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And you never enter into the moment that the Spirit has created for you to experience Him more. You see, it's through praise... That the power of God comes, and when the power of God comes and the presence of God comes to sever, it unlocks things. And all of a sudden, through a step of pray, a step of obedience into praise, the presence comes, the power comes, and now I got set free from the thing that I walked in with. Because why? Because I didn't rest on my feelings. I took a step of obedience because I sensed the Spirit and I stepped into that out of my humanity into the kingdom. And there was a transaction. I know what you know. I know you know what I'm talking about here. How many people feel that you want to go, but you're afraid? It's okay. It's okay to feel that. But I want to encourage you to feel it and go anyway. Feel that if that's what it is. If it's a bit of fear, if it's a bit of anxiety, apprehension, if it's insecure, feel it. And speak to it and say, fear, you're not robbing me anymore of a step of faith. You're not going to rob me of experiencing the Spirit of God and the power of God. And I'm going to step out of my natural and into this thing called the eternal spirit realm. Through a decision to praise you. And so as we're working this out, as this relationship is being developed of love... And the greater the knowledge, the revelation I carry of God is being birthed in me, I then take a step of discipline into the area of praise. And it might be so unnatural for you because your natural person, your natural personality, which guys, it's not an excuse in the kingdom. We use these things as excuses, but you know, I'm just a quiet person and I never do that. Well, you may be a quiet person and that's okay. But what's it's not okay is to step into the realm of the spirit that God calls us into because God doesn't look and he says, you're a quiet person. And in you, my son or daughter, you're an overcomer. You're big in the spirit. 
So I want you to step out of you into that. No matter what your personality type, whether you're a high D, a high S, a high C, or a high I, sometimes you've got to quieten the eyes down, don't you? They're the ones that are like, <laughs> they got no issue. Sometimes you need to pull them down a bit because that can be a little bit fleshy at times. So, hey, just, just rein that in. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but you know, we, we, we tend to not have issues when it comes to other things. You know, when the child is born, we express ourselves, we praise, we want to tell everybody about this beautiful child that we've created, don't we? We go on Facebook and we smash it through Facebook and we're telling everybody it's out there and everyone knows. Why? Because we're praising creation. We're praising the child that was born. When we get married, when we get engaged, we want to tell everybody, don't we? We want to praise. Wow, wow this is amazing. This is good news. When you're at the sports games. <laughs> if you want to go, this is annoying me. If you want to go and figure out what praise looks like to an idol, go to a football game in England. And you'll see what praise looks like to a God. And it ain't just when a goal is scored. It starts an hour before the game, and it goes on into the night. You see, it's not even just about the game. It's dialogue after the game and the dissection of the game of who did what and who should have done what to who and the referee and all that stuff. Why? Because that's just authentic praise coming out because of a love that these people have for a sport, for a God, an idol. And yet we worship the real God. And he goes, would you praise me? Because if you praise me and step out of you, I'm willing to come. And I'm going to come in power. And my presence is going to come. And where my presence is, there's passion. And if you get a passion inside of you for me, look out. But sometimes it's got to start, guys, in an act of discipline. My discipleship process goes like this. Discipline, desire, delight. So often, sometimes, we've got to start at discipline because we may not have that innate love in us. It may be there to a small measure, and God's growing it. But ultimately, I have to choose to read the Bible. I have to choose to give. I have to choose to serve. I have to choose to spend the time. I have to make an active choice of my mind and my will to engage in obedience. Because at the moment, the natural aspect is not there. Do you understand what I'm saying? We may have a natural things for the things that we love, natural things for our kids, our wife. So there's not a choice as so, it just is because it comes naturally. And that's what God wants to realign so we don't continue in discipline, but we move through the process of discipline, desire, into delight, where praise comes out of us from delight. Delight yourself in the Lord. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Delight yourself in God where you can't wait to get with Him. You can't wait to get in His presence and just praise Him because He's so good. And so there's a process of change that God wants to take the church from to. And it can happen through praise. 
Psalm 150, I don't know how many times it mentions the word praise, but it must be about 24 times it goes praise, 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 praise. I think he's trying to make a point. (laughs) And so God wants us to learn how to praise more than what we currently are. And he wants us to take a step, which is going to be a bit scary. That's okay. Because following him is scary. Anyone else found that? Risky. He's, he's, he asks for a lot. Anyone found that? He's always asking for all. <laughs> we want to give him a little. He says, no, man, give me all. I'll take you a little, but I want all. He's greedy. He demands much. But he gives much. He gives us more than much. How much more? Yeah, he talks about how much more is the one who is saved? How much more will they come to know me? How much more will they enter into life? And God has given us a thing called praise to attract his presence. Now, his presence is always in us and with us, but his presence will come. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. You see throughout the entire scripture where God's presence would come, fill the tabernacle, Amazing stuff would kick off. You see it in the New Testament where his presence would come and there'd be healings. There'd be salvation. There'd be people that were dead raised back to life. People were given their dead. There you go. He wasn't dead. He was just asleep. Bang. There you go. Why? Because the presence of God was on the earth and always has been looking and waiting to minister itself love to the people. And when a church captures this, this area of praise, and is not afraid to step into it. Crazy cool stuff kicks off in him. Now, you don't go after the crazy stuff. We don't make healings the goal. We make the presence of God the goal. We make the person the goal. We want to get to know the person. If we get to know the person, praise will just become a natural expression of my relationship with the person. So I never chase the outworkings of the person. I chase the person themselves. That's where the church, some of the church has got sideswiped, hoodwinked. So we go down all these trails and we're missing the point. And linked heavily to praise is prayer. In fact, prayer really defines praise. So ask yourself that question. Maybe we have to also take a step into prayer of discipline. Because prayer unlocks God's power to move like praise does. I'm going to give you five P's. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to give you five P's, okay? You're writing them down, praise, prayer. So what's our prayer life like? Because these things go hand in hand. We're going to look at a scripture in Acts where two men find themselves in jail. Now, this is not a New Zealand jail. It doesn't have TVs and pool tables and running water and all the things and three meals a day. This is a jail that is very dark, dingy, is infested with rats, mud, it's stench, it's got feces, it's got everything in it. You and I would not want to go there, but there's these two men that get thrown there because they're a men of praise. They're a men of prayer. You see, sometimes you get in trouble 
when you become people of praise and prayer. They unearth the earth. People of praise and prayer scare earthly people because they don't understand them. And so because what we don't understand, we try and rationalize away or we have to try and hide or we lock it up. Just stay over there in that corner and we're all good. (laughs) But see, people of prayer and praise can't be shut up. Why? Because they've got someone greater on the inside of them. So even though these men are given instruction to be quiet and to stop preaching the name of Jesus, they can't. And they say, I'm sorry, but we've got to listen to God, not you. And we've got to do what God asks us to do because we're under the authority of heaven, not you. And you're not going to be our judge when we stand before you. God is. So we have to do what's right because we are people of prayer and we are people of praise. So what's our prayer life like? There is no condemnation in Jesus, is there? None. So even though you may be struggling in those areas, there is no condemnation about that. There will be, I'm hoping, a conviction of the Spirit of God. The Spirit is maybe just prompting you a little bit, saying, hey, come on, Greg, you know. Come on, Greg, you know, this is my way, son. This is my way. This is how... Not only you, but my church come into life. And you're part of a family. So will you play your part in the family through prayer and praise? Because when you do, it's not just for you. It's going to affect the person beside you, behind you, in front of you. When you actually praise and when you enter into that, it's going to spill over. And it's going to influence the person that's there that needs to be spilled over on. But if you don't, if you keep it to yourself, then people around you are going to be affected by that. And so if there's a whole church like that, then we're not influencing one another from prayer or praise. We're just contained in this little box. And so there's no condemnation in Christ, but there is conviction. And I want to ask you, if I can urge you, please And if you can, I understand if you can't because of other commitments, but I do want to also put it out there because I know how important prayer is. And I know the Father asked me a year ago to ask you to come and be present on a Wednesday morning and pray for one hour. If you can give me one hour, half an hour, 15 minutes. It's not really so much about prayer as much as about obedience. Because God can move without prayer, but he moves with prayer. And I want to encourage you to be present and come and pray. And it may not be natural because you know what? You may be a morning person. I think we all are, being honest. Not morning people. No, we're all morning people. Come on, we're going to take a sip of faith. (laughs) I'm speaking this into being. (laughs) We are morning people, which means we get up. The early bird catches the worm. That's a saying, isn't it? Lots of worms, worms, Vera just said. Not just one. That's the heart of God, isn't it? But let's be a people. Let's be, not do, be a people of praise and prayer, prayer and praise. Let's come with me to Acts 16. Because this is incredible. Acts 16. 
Acts 16, verses 22. You see, when we come together here, we come to praise. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 24, don't stop meeting like some have. And that's cool. So we come to the meeting, but we don't know why we gather. <laughs> so we're obedient in half of it, so we're here. But then when we get here, we don't really know why we're here. We're just here. And so sometimes we can just go through rituals, can't we? Because that's what good Christian people do. But we don't really fully understand why we come. So I just very quickly want to show you why the church is together. The first is to praise so we don't come to a meeting. See, meeting mindsets live themselves out. You can miss a meeting. You can postpone a meeting. You can cancel a meeting. So if we have a meeting mindset, we're coming to meet, have a meeting, then we can change all that because our mindset determines why we gather. But if we're coming to meet him, then everything changes. I, I don't want to miss meeting him. Please hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's, okay, it's, not, it's wrong if you don't miss a Sunday. Don't hear that. Hear what I'm really saying. So I come to meet him. I come to meet one another. I come to gather with the body of Christ, the saints of Christ, to enter into praising my and our Heavenly Father. I come just as an expression. It's one expression. It's not a whole. It's one expression out of discipleship in my life. But I love it and look forward to it. Not out of religious expectation or ritual, out of relational connection with the Father and one another. So I come to praise my Father. I love it, man. I love it when he comes. And last week was incredible if you were here. It's just amazing. I need to hear the praises of the people. And the presence comes and it's like, whoa, this is awesome. We come to praise. I come to pray. I come to give him thanks. Just thank you for life. Thank you for the stuff I'm going through. Thank you. Praise God in all things. Isn't that what it says? Not in that bit I like and those four things I hate. In all things, God works out the good in all things for those who love him. Here's a way of changing things, and even if they don't change, you can still find praise in it. And so we gather to praise, we gather to pray, we come here to bring an offering which is ourself, which is our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, I'm so grateful you saved me, and you are saving me, and you are building me, and you are changing me. And as that happens then, and as the gifts get released, guess what? Everyone gets influenced by the gifts on everyone's life just through praise and prayer do you realize as we enter in it can affect people because the atmosphere shifts the 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 dynamics of it all changes and what was void of life is now full of life and when he comes when his presence comes and his power comes Jesus saw there was power to heal the man that was let down through the roof and he stepped into that and said be healed your sin has gone, be healed. The man gets up. 
Why? Because Jesus recognized there was power in that room because of the faith. And it wasn't even that man's faith. It was the men's faith that lowered him. So there's the influence right there. When people come in like that, you may walk in with very little faith, but other people around you got big faith, and their big faith, and what they're calling it influences you. So now your little faith becomes big faith because of the people around you. But if the people around you don't come in like that, then everyone turns up with next to little faith. And we stay walking out like that. Because God's in partnership, and he looks for partnership with his people. He says, come on, you're my stewards of my glory. You're the stewards of me. I'm in you, and I want out of you. Don't come short of the glory of God. We think it's for a loss. It's for the church. Don't come short of the glory of God. He wants a full glorious life in us. Don't come short of the full life in Christ. Adam and Eve were in full glory. They fell from glory. God's been trying to get the church back to glory. That you have a glory-filled life. Don't stop until you're in that. Spins it a little different, doesn't it, about them and us? It's all us. So here are these two guys. That's why we gather. And then maybe things kick off and people get healed and people commit their life to Christ. And I don't know, God's blessing left, right and center. Is that why you come? If you, I want to encourage you. Next week, when we're here, tonight, come with that mindset. Now you may have to step into that. You may have had a rubbish week. But remember, you've got someone greater in you. So even in the rubbish week, choose. Choose. Don't let the feeling, don't let the thought, oh, well, no. Choose, grab it, take it captive, speak differently to it. Yeah? Okay, so let's go. This is cool. Acts 16, 22. Paul and Silas, they've been thrown in prison. Actually, let's start at year 22. The crowd rose up together against them. And the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. Yay. This is what happens when you follow Jesus. When they had been struck, when they'd struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay. Sometimes you can just read these things and go, oh, that was pretty tough. Put yourself in this situation. You've just been beaten to a pulp. Why? Because you're a person of praise. You're a person of prayer. You're living a life of righteousness. We've been looking at this, haven't we? <clears throat> so you're not about right or wrong, but you're about righteousness. So you're trying... You are living, being, and living the right life in Christ. And some people don't understand that, so they turn around and they beat you up. Because you're not on the same page and you become offensive to the spirit of the world. But you're a radiant light to the kingdom of God. So they beat you up and they throw you in prison. So just imagine you're in prison right now. Not any, any prison. Remember, you're in this pit of hell. And you're in the inner jail, fasten their feet in the stocks. Okay? But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. 
I wonder if that would be my response. They are praying and singing hymns of praise to God. How can they do that? Now, I'm going to suggest to you they didn't have to choose that. They were so filled with love, so filled with the Word of God, that it just became an innate response. So they didn't look at their natural situations. What did Paul say? They're just mere light afflictions. 2 Corinthians 4. What? In accordance to the eternal glory that we are moving towards. See, these men had sight of the finish line. They had a revealed picture of the finish line. If you're listening, they had a revealed picture of the bride of Christ. They had a revealed picture of the reigning with Christ in the millennial reign. They had a revealed picture of the kingdom of God on the earth. They had revelation of God's plan and purpose for the church of Jesus Christ. That revelation, that food, enabled them to live that out. See what the power of God, the food of God revelation brings? Rather than sitting there... And really having a woe is me party. And I can understand if they did because that's pretty brutal what's happened to them. But they didn't have that. Their innate response is to praise and to pray. Why? Because they know the one of prayer and they know the one of praise. And they know his power. But even if he doesn't come, because they're doing it not knowing. It's just an innate response out of these men. So they're not sitting there going, how are we going to get out of this? They're not trying to figure out in their own strength the plan to get out of jail. They just start praising and they start praying. Power, isn't it? In doing it God's way. Prayer really is number one. Tends to be the thing hardest to get the church to do. Doesn't make sense, does it? You know, it doesn't make much sense to not be a person of prayer if that's the first thing on God's heart and that's the thing that moves the hand of God. Anyone else seeing the disconnect between those things? I say I'm that, but actually I don't live as that. There's a disconnect. His love is covering that disconnect, but it's only covering up until a certain point where there's going to be a judgment on the church. And we have to, and that's partly what I was going to talk a little bit about today, but I'll leave it. Is so we come to understand the whole gospel. That God is looking for a church that does certain things. So you can't just take his love and go, thank you for love, and run off and live your life. He's looking for wisdom as vindicated by her deeds. So he's looking for a church that does the right works, and you're going to be judged on the right works. So we need to know what these right works are, these good works are, because the Bible says our works, man's works, are burnt up. And those whose man's works are burnt will receive loss. But those whose works have been built by God on God, God's works will receive a reward. So God has an expectation that his people are going to not only be built by the power of the word, but also live a type of life. 
You're seeing it right here in the scriptures of two men who are being built by the power of God and are able to live out works of God. Not in their own strength, but in the strength of heaven. This is what it looks like. This is the expression of heaven on earth, isn't it? See, we talk about it, Father, come heaven on earth. Well, this is it right here. This is heaven being expressed on earth through two men. Are you understanding me? Because of where the men are at in their relationship with God, to know God. And this is wisdom being demonstrated right here through two men. It's not stuck in a mindset going, here it is in words. It's in action. And he's looking for a church of action. But we need to know what those works are because they're not any works. So we can't just race off and go, right now I need to go love God, love people, do this, do that. No, we have to discover what the good works are that God has for us that are prepared beforehand. Which means, again, it turns us back to relationship. Which means we need to be a people of prayer because it's as we are seeking not, God, God starts to show us. If we're not a people of intimacy and prayer, we'll be running around and we won't hear. Everything he does is for us. Okay, So here we see two men who are in this position of relationship that are flowing in these good works. And then it says this, and the prisoners were listening to them. Here's the influence, see? Here's the influence of these two men. The prisoners were listening to their praise and their prayer. The prisoners were in the same prison. They're in the same situation. But they weren't praying. They weren't praising. They're probably whining and moaning. We don't even deserve to be here. I didn't do it. I don't know, but they're listening. You see, people of praise and prayer are people of influence. And so when they lift a voice from within them, other people hear. It goes on. This is really cool. And suddenly there came a great earthquake. So here's your power. So there's an earthquake now. Why? Because two men, not a whole church, two men that know the Father, that are full of faith, full of the Spirit of God, full of the power. There's a great Earthquake. The father here, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. Now you can read that and just think physically. Yep, the physical sense, the chains all came off. Wow, that's pretty cool. What about in the spirit? What about when the Father comes and a chain that's wrapped around your heart because his power comes because two people who are praise and prayer people pray and the power comes and sets you free of insecurity, sets you free of fear, breaks depression, breaks anxiety, breaks whatever it is, gets you saved into the kingdom of God, whatever it is, breaks finance issues over your life. Why? Because there were people of prayer and praise and they were giving it up and the power came and there was a great earthquake and bang, chains were released. Not only physical but spiritual chains. Just prayer. Just praise. Goes on. Gets even better. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. 
Okay. These guys are hardened criminals. Now, I don't know what they've done. Let's say they've murdered people, stolen, whatever they've done. Hardened criminals in the prison. They're listening to these two guys pray, praise and prayer. There's a great earthquake. All the chains fall off. All the doors fall open. And they have an opportunity to escape, but they don't. They sit there and go, hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? And you're a hardened criminal. The doors fly open. Your moment to run out of the jail is upon you. But why? You can't because you're held captivated by the presence of God, the power of God. And you're a non-Christian. But you are captivated because when the presence comes, you don't want to go anywhere. You could escape, but you don't want to escape because you're captivated by the presence of the Father. The power of God is holding you and you're a murderer and there's an opportunity. Just through praise, singing some songs. That's what it can be. Our praise can be so casual that it's lifeless. There's no faith, there's no power. Why? Because I go through motions. My reverence for God, Isaiah 29, is in tradition, learnt by rote. It's not like Noah, whose his reverence for God was what he saw. So God was speaking to Noah about unseen things. And it says, in reverence for the unseen things, he built an ark. So his reverence had him doing a spirit-led work. So what is our reverence for God having us doing? Flesh works or anything at all? What is your reverence for God having you live? Do you have a reverence for God? Are you in awe of God because of what God is showing you because you're a person of prayer? See, God reveals things. His heart is to reveal things. Everything, his plan, his will But he looks for people of prayer, people who want to come and be with him and one another so he can share. So he's looking for hearts that truly want him, isn't he? So here's this opportunity for these men to escape, but they don't. The jailer runs in. He's about to kill himself because he knows the consequences if they escape. Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Not one of them had run away. And he called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Can you see the process? Outworking itself. Here's a man who is convicted by the presence of the Holy Spirit. The power of God. He's a Roman and he's about to kill himself because of the consequence of what he thought had happened. But the power of God is able to hold everybody so that doesn't happen to him. And he's then able to actually repent and get justified. All because two men were a people, a man, two men of praise, two men of prayer. It goes on. It gets better. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus. Be fully convinced. Not have a mental agreement. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. The living word. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized 
he and all his household. (laughs) Instant movement in the process of transformation, isn't it? Baptism follows repentance. I'm fascinated by this. There's no gap. It's just power of God comes, bang. What do I need to do? Turn. I'm into that. Turn. What next? Get baptized. Bang. Get baptized. And all his household. Power of God is what does the work. The gospel can only be ever heard in words and never performed in work. It's the work of the gospel that changes a person, not the words. It's one thing to hear the words. It's another thing for the work of those words to go to your life. Because you can make a mental agreement with the words of the gospel. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe that he died and rose again? Yes. Do you believe he died for your sin? Yes. Do you believe he came to forgive you of those sins? Yes. I believe all those things. And it's right and it's good. And I make a mental agreement with that and I'm justified. It's great. But do you know there's a work of the gospel that rose Jesus from the grave that God wants to cement and penetrate into your heart? So then the work of the gospel comes and now you're like, what do I do? There's movement. You're not trying to be good. You're not trying to be better. The word of God that's being preached here comes and it cuts and it enters in and it pierces. And it's the word of God that performs the work of God. And now your life reflects the work of God. So now you'll find yourself able to be a people of praise and prayer. But it may have to start in discipline. It may have to start because that hasn't been your experience yet. Yet. And as you discipline yourself to seek the Father and spend time with Him and say, I want to have an experience like that. I want the Word of God continuously, not just a one-off event, to bring me into the life of God so I can fulfill being a family member. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. He goes from being a man who is about to maybe kill them, but he's looking after them in prison, to a man that's serving them. Because two men who know the Lord, who are living, walking with the Lord, have committed their lives to the will of God, have a reality of Jesus within them and a power within them. What did Paul say? I can do all things. According to what? My strength? No. The strength of God that's mightily working within me. Greater is me that's in the world. See, this isn't just nice little statements. This is a reality. Paul writes from a reality. It's not an abstract concept or thought or mental agreement. He writes from a real place. 
So when he writes, I've got a strength that's operating in me and I can do all things, he's just writing what's in him. He's living that life and putting it to words. So often what we want to do is try and understand the words and not come into the life. See, we're back to front. It's about coming into the life and going, oh, I could write the same things. But we chase the words going, if I understand it in my head, something's going to happen. No, it comes through the work of the gospel. And so now I have a power living in me that's greater than me, working mightily so I can do all things. And all things produce the works of heaven. Do you see how this all adds up? Who, who in their childhood, maybe even now, used to get those sheets of paper and they'd have numbers all over them and used to join the numbers? So you go one to two to three to four to five. And as you did all that, you tracking with me? There'd be a picture. Yeah? So you join the dots and after all join the dots, you have a picture. So the messages that are going out week in, week out are like going from one to two. Two to three, three to four. I'm hoping you're tracking with the messages that are going out because they're food, they're parts of a picture. So, this message and the message I'm preaching on wisdom is part of a picture. So, we need to be tracking that so we understand each part, meditating and coming into each part. So, when we know what the picture is that all the words are being spoken into. Otherwise, it's just a message that's not attached to anything, and it's almost like a hundred messages, separate messages that are out there. No, no, there are a hundred separate messages attached to the message. The picture of God, what God's heart is. I don't know whether you understand that or not. I hope you do now. I hope that would give you encouragement and passion to want to start actually eating what you're hearing because they're all moving towards a picture. They're not a hundred messages on their own. They're all interconnected. And like I said, everything is going towards that. And we need to see that through Revelation, don't we? A mental agreement of that does nothing for you. Oh, yeah. Bride of Christ. No, no. The bride of Christ revelation aligns you to look at your life and go, am I living in an alignment to the bride of Christ? Am I making myself ready? Am I preparing myself? Am I living a life? Well, where would it start? Where would that start? What would be the number one thing that would start? Prayer. So here's the outcome. If we get that, I am a person of prayer. Because the revelation of that brings understanding. Oh my goodness, I haven't been praying. I don't spend two seconds praying. I'm supposed to be praying. Repent, turn, I'm found in prayer. Not just on my own, but with my fellow members. Because we all start getting it, and this is bigger than being her, and we have to start praying for ourselves and everyone else if we're going to be the thing that God calls us to be. Because it won't happen through human effort. 
So everything God does is interconnected to bring us into the life of God that wisdom would be vindicated by her church through her deeds. So when we all stand before God at the judgment seat, there is no loss, it's a reward. Why? Because God looks and says, well done, good and faithful servants. You lived out what I called you to live out, which was in my heart to see. It could be just a little bit different from messages you've heard in the past, where it's sort of this life of, well, get saved and then, I don't know, do your best and good luck. I hope you get on well. You know? No, no, this is, I pray that they would be one. I pray that they would be a people of prayer and praise and transformation and passion and power. What for? So they could live in accordance to the Father's will and be the demonstration of God on the earth. See, God was demonstrating himself through these two men. Two men. What does the scripture say? One can set how many aflight? How many can two set? One can set a thousand, two can set ten thousand. The odds are good when God's in your team. One man or woman who is in prayer, praise, presence, power, passion. Their influence can set a thousand people ablaze. Now, if you bring two people into that mix, God goes, I love messing up the odds, man. I, don't, I love it. I'm so outside of logic. Two can make 10,000. It's not two a thousand. It's two 10,000. What could three do? A hundred thousand. What could four do? Maybe a million. So that's what the Father wanted to say to us this morning. So Father, I ask you to cement what you've said into me more, into us more. I pray, Father, that we would be apprehended in a beautiful way, that you would hold us today, Lord, and, and just encourage us and and. and if we do need a little touch on the back of the head, give us one of those too. Just to turn us, Lord, because you love us so much. But Father, I pray that we would have heard your heart. We would have heard the word that sets creation in order. We would hear and receive and accept and believe a word that would come and build. Lord, I pray that we would eat this over and over and be eating every word that you've given. For it is an alignment to a purpose, Father. And it's seeing a strong church, a strong people who once were weak but are now strong, who once did it their own way but no longer do. Father, you say, I build my people and the gates of Hades do not overpower them. I thank you that you've, you're, you are taking the time here to do it. Help us to see it. Help us to hear it.
Help us to understand it. And then, Father, help us to enter into it.